Welcome to Aiming for the Moon. I am Taylor Bledsoe. And I am Maddie Henry. And on this podcast, we interview fascinating people from a teenage perspective. Yes, and today we have an exciting person out of Little Rock, Arkansas. His name is Porter Briggs, and he is a businessman and entrepreneur and consultant who lives in Little Rock. So here's the interview. Mr. Porter, could you give us just a little bit about yourself? Well, I'm a male. I'm an American. <laughs> I love the United States. And I'm a friend of Taylor Bledsoe, my, my hostess here, and her mother and father and two sisters. And uh, I'm married to the most wonderful woman I've ever known, Diane Wilder. She's an oncologist. She sees, I think today she's hitting about 35 or 40 people with cancer. And um, we are believers in Jesus Christ and followers of him. And um, I, am a, I had a business for many years, which I sold five and a half years ago. And uh, before that, I worked on Wall Street. And before that, I was an officer in the Army and a tank battalion. And before that, an infantry battalion. And... Um, so what, what, uh, I went to the University of Arkansas and I went to graduate school at the University of Heidelberg in Germany. And uh, I have a son who lives in Zurich, Switzerland and a grandson who lives in Zurich, Switzerland. Wow, that seems like a very exciting life. So um, you said that you worked on Wall well, Street. Sorry, continue. Yeah. Yes, I worked on Wall Street for six years. I did, okay, what do you wanna know? So what, what was your job on Wall Street? I worked for a company that was a big company and uh, we had a small company and sold it to them. And um, I traveled all over the world for them. And um, I was, my business was getting them new clients and keep and making sure that the clients we had, we kept. And uh, it's a job that's referred to uh, uh, idiomatically as a rainmaker. So I was a rainmaker. That is, I, I brought in business, and then some. Then there would be a salesperson who would follow up and take care of the account once once I got it. So I didn't keep dealing with them. I just dealt with new clients and prospective clients and old clients who wanted to know about our firm. And so I traveled everywhere. I went to Beijing, Manila, Tokyo, Sydney, Wellington, New Zealand, uh, all over Europe. Um, and uh, everywhere. Wow, that certainly seems really fun. <laughs> yeah, it was it was challenging. I got tired of traveling. Wow. So, what out of all those countries, what was your favorite country? Do you think? Well, uh, I I think Switzerland is the most beautiful country in the world. Um, I, uh, Sweden is, a, is, is a, one of the more interesting countries in the world. But it's hard to say what's my favorite. Um, I did not particularly like China. Um, and uh, uh, Wellington, New Zealand was very unusual place. Beautiful country, beautiful island. And it's an island. I mean, it's a big island, but... Uh, 
I don't know. I don't know, Taylor. Uh, what my most fav my favorite country would be. My favorite country now is, is Switzerland because that's where my son lives, and we're there often. And um, what it's it's a beautiful country. It's like somebody it's like somebody gets up every day and sweeps the whole country clean. It's so clean and so beautiful. Everything is beautiful. Wow. I've, I've only seen it in pictures. I really want to go to Switzerland at some point. Well, when you do, you will have a great treat in store. And when you go there, I want you to meet my grandson. He is a very, very cool guy. He's 16 and he speaks fluent American English. Um, wow. Yeah. So in Arkansas, you're known as a businessman and is that that is that is what a lot of people know you as here at least well you know i've done quite a bit of business and um and uh, i'm not interested in uh, owning any more businesses but i help a lot of people with their business and um, i just talked about 30 minutes ago to a guy in dc i'm helping on a business venture but mostly I do it, uh, he wanted to pay me because I've been helping him and I told him I didn't want to be paid. Um, but mostly I help people because I, I know how to do business and if I believe in what they're doing, you know, I'll help them. Uh, but I also help people like I'm helping one of the state parks in Arkansas promote themselves and uh, the, their attendance has been on a decline for the last few years. And uh, so they, they were trying to figure out what to do and so we, I, we took a look at what their situation is and they weren't promoting it. And so you got to promote it or it'll gradually it'll start going down. There's very few places that, it, that aren't that way. Uh, but so I'm helping them and doing things like that and helping some people here in Little Rock do this and that. But yeah, I, I, know, I know a lot about business. Yes, sir. So, um, I've heard that, first off, you did, you apparently have worked a lot in D.C. with a lot of their gardens, and with, it was the Lincoln Memorial Park that I believe that. Well, I, I'm an expert on boxwood shrubs. A boxwood are a particular kind of a shrub, and they're not indigenous to Arkansas. They will grow here, but this is not their ideal environment, but, but in Virginia, Delaware, Maryland, that's the ideal environment for them, the, the, the little subclimate there. And so I know all about it. And I, I, had a, I had a business and I had my office in Georgetown in Washington, DC. And every day at lunch, I would go for a run and I would run by the Watergate and then I would run by the Kennedy Center and by the uh, Lincoln Memorial and go across the Memorial Bridge past Arlington Cemetery and then back across the Potomac uh, River on Key Bridge. So I would make that run every day and I did it for a year and I, I went by the Lincoln Memorial and saw that they had these shrubs and there were vines growing over them. They've been neglected and the vines growing over them would eventually would kill the plants. So I called the park service and nagged them and nagged them and nagged them for two years. And finally they met with me and I told them, I said, you guys, you've got these beautiful plants here. And I had since found out that, that, that when the Lincoln Memorial was dedicated in 1922, that those plants were given to the Lincoln Memorial by volunteers who brought them from their homes and planted them there. So they had been there 
for 78, for 80 years, and they were original plants from when the, when the memorial first opened. And so I, I said, you guys should do this, this, and they said, we don't have the, we don't have the resources to do it. Would you do it? And so I said, okay, I'll do it. So that was 14 years ago. And then two years after I'd been taking care of them, two years, those vines growing over them were poison ivy. And oh, the, man. I, I know, and the poison ivy was this big around. Can you see that, that big around? So I just went in there when I started and got a saw and just cut them off right at the, right at the ground and let them get deactivated. It takes poison ivy six months before you can touch it. So I just cut them down and I, it was in October and then uh, I waited six months and I just pulled them out. But now they're beautiful plants and healthy. And so two years later, they made me the National Park Service Volunteer of the Year. <laughs> <laughs> I think you deserved it, that's for certain. Well, I don't know, I don't know, but, I, but I've been doing it now for 14 years. I'm going up there in August Wow. to, to, to work on the, the boxwood at Lincoln Memorial. So now I take care of the entire grounds of the Lincoln Memorial. I do everything but cut the grass. And uh, so I go up there and twice a year and take care of everything for them. Wow, that's, that's really cool. So you've joined the military, served in both the infantry and, and as an officer in the tank battalion. Right. Uh -huh. yep. And you also started your own successful business, worked uh -huh. on Wall Street, and now we're like the, um, a huge volunteer at the Lincoln Memorial. Is there anything extraordinary that we don't know that like you've accomplished? Well, I married a wonderful woman. Uh, that's my greatest accomplishment. Uh, I'm sitting out in my yard right now, looking out over the view. So that when I look away, that's what I'm doing. Um, I mean, I, um, I, well, there are a few things I've done. Uh, I, I've just finished a, a, a little memoir that I've written, but um, I ran a political campaign in California, which we won, and um, another guy and I got Pepsi to fund it, and we took John Denver to the to the Soviet Union, but when before when it was still the USSR, and um, and then uh, um, I, I did some other things like that. Um, um that um trying to think um can't remember right now but anyway you know i've i've had a i've done a i've had a variety let's say yes sir so your memoir um when do you think you're going to publish it or release it uh, uh in the fall in the fall it's called afternoons in the garden and uh which is what i'm doing today i'm in my garden in the afternoon that's that to me is a very high level of civilized living. Yes, sir. You know, uh, so yeah, I'm 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 excited about about the the memoir. In fact, I'm I'm doing the final proof on it right now. Here it is, right? Can you see this? Yes, sir. That's that's gonna be so cool. So now you're yeah. gonna release a memoir about yourself. You've done a lot of amazing things. Well, I've had a lot of failures too. I've had, I mean, not a lot, but I've had some failures. Uh, so um, I've been down, uh, I, I had an embezzlement case, a guy, I had a business for 12 years um, and then I lost it because uh, a dishonest employee uh, 
stole things from me. Uh, he didn't steal, that's not right. He, he did stuff he shouldn't have done. He wasn't supposed to do, didn't have the authority to do. And, um, and then I was uh, in a business that was dependent on international travel. And, uh, and then when 9-11 happened, that business got hurt badly. Uh, mm -hmm. It took four years to recover from that. Um, so, you know, I've had some, I've had some ups and downs. And um, so um, it's been a, it's been a blessing. You know, you learn a lot from your failures. You have to just pick okay. yourself up and dust off and get back on the trail, you know. Yes, sir. So I think you've already answered this question, but I just need to make sure. So it's basically out of everything you've done, if you could only pick one of those to be like, have the world remember it, which, um, so you, you married, you married your wife and you said that was your greatest achievement. But if the public was going to only remember you for one thing, what would you choose it to be? Well, I'm not sure I could answer that. Um, 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 I guess for being an officer in the United States Army, um, and uh, I was, I was, uh, I was an officer in the Army during peacetime. There was no war. It was before Vietnam, and um, and uh, the highlight of my Army career was. Uh, we were, uh, when I was in a tank battalion, we were out, uh, um, there's one place in, in Europe where you can take all of our weapons and shoot them live. I mean, we had the, the cannon on the tank would, would shoot about 18 miles. So we had to have, there's only one place that's long enough to where you can shoot the, the cannon. And we were out there in the second year I was in the army and uh, uh, a man came to, to visit us who was our, what's called our V Corps V as in V, Corps Commander, who was a three-star general. His name was Creighton Abrams, and he had been in World War II and was close to General Patton, a very famous general in World War II. Wow. And um, so General Abrams came out, and so we had to brief him, and so my battalion chose me to brief him. I was 23 years old, and uh, so I got to brief General Abrams, and uh, and then he later was the commanding officer of our of our army in Vietnam, and uh, and was a great commander. And then he died uh, right after Vietnam was over. He was a cigar smoker, and he died of uh, lung cancer. And um, but anyway, in night six years after he died, they brought in brought up a new tank that could that did no longer use the tank that I was in. They had a new one, uh, upgraded, brilliant machine and they called it the Abrams tank. So I got to brief General Abrams and then when I briefed him, after I briefed him, because of some things that he saw in my uniform, he came up and struck up a conversation with me and I got to talk to him. And um, that was a highlight of my, of my two years in the Army was being able to brief and have a private visit with General Abrams. Uh, he, he was in command of 150,000 troops. Uh, and so getting to talk to him privately, well, it wasn't private, but you know, there was a lot of men standing around, but he came up and talked to me. That was, that was a thrill. I'm sure that, I know who General Patton was and he, he was one of the major generals who pushed through World War II. That's right. That's, and, and yeah, he said, Abrams, wow, that's amazing. Yeah, General Abrams 
was uh, 29 years old in World War II and was in command of uh, a battalion, which is about 800 men and about 50 tanks. And he was the lead battalion in General Patton's army that went all the way across France and Germany. And General Patton was in, was in command of that lead battalion. And I mean, General Abrams was, uh, he was then Lieutenant Colonel Abrams, but, uh, but he and uh, General Patton were tight like that, very tight. So, and I got to brief him, you know, that's very cool. So, I mean, it's one step, one, one degree of separation between me and General Patton. You know, how cool is that? Uh, that, that is awesome. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, anyway, I guess that'd be my answer. So being able to be in the military as an officer and then being able to brief General Abrams. That probably, well, you asked the, the most, the experience that means the most is, would, would be to be, uh, uh, an, I was a first lieutenant then uh, in the army and then in the army, the peak experience was, was when I got to brief General Abrams. Uh, I have a picture of him in my, in my book, in my memoir. That's really, really cool. So now here's some lighter hearted questions. Like I, so our audience would probably want, would like to know this. I'm, I am a teenager. So that's kind of why I have this podcast geared towards interviewing people from a teenager's perspective. Um, uh-huh. And so I would just like to know what, if you remember, what were you like when you were 13 or a teenager in general? <laughs> well, I remember very well. I was, uh, well, you know, I, I, a part of my teenage years was my mother was, bless her heart, she was an alcoholic the whole time I was a teenager. Mm-hmm. So uh, I had to kind of deal out, you know, kind of, how do you say it, just keep that out of my consciousness. But, um, uh, I mean, I had a wonderful time when I was a teenager. Uh, I, I'm a real good ballroom dancer, you know, <laughs> I know how to do rock and roll dancing and waltz and cha-cha and all that sort of stuff, you know, and lead a woman in dancing. So I danced a lot when I was a teenager. And, uh, yeah, and uh, so, and I had, really neat friends. I had a neat girlfriend when I was 17. My girlfriend was 15. I was a senior and she was a sophomore. I taught her to dance and she was, she became an incredible dancer. And um, she was, and we had a great time. Golly, it was fun. And that was when rock and roll was new, you know. And uh, I mean, I saw Elvis perform in Little Rock at Robinson Auditorium. Wow. When I was 15. And man, it was really cool. And I went up afterwards and went behind backstage. Everybody did. And they didn't, anybody could go back there and just stood in line and had a picture of him and got him to sign it. And uh, he was covered in sweat because he had been performing and he, he really put, it, put himself out. And so everybody would say, gosh, you were great. And he, I'll never forget it. He would sit there behind me signing the pictures. And everybody who said it, he'd say, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. You know, that was the way he talked because he, he, he's in Mississippi. He has a real Mississippi accent. Yes, yeah. sir. And uh, so, I mean, I had a great time when, when I was a teenager. I, I really had fun. And, um, and I never did any alcohol or any drugs or anything. You know, it was 
So I had a, it was clean. And I mean, it was kind of sad because my mama was, was a binge drinker and would get, you know, go and off and drink. I've, I've never in my life had, I've never had a drop of alcohol in my whole life. I'm just, I just watched a brown hawk fly over. It was beautiful. So anyway, I had a great, I had a great, my teenage years were really fun. I mean, every teenager should, should have fun, right? Yes, sir. I totally agree. Yeah, totally, man. Me too, my, my friend. So anyways, so how are we doing? Good. So we have a few more questions here. Okay. Uh, two, two big ones I'd like to get on. So out of a lot of the books you've read, um, what books have had the biggest impact on you? Ooh, boy, I, I don't know that I could, there's so many, uh, well, I mean, my, f my favorite novel is called, uh, Death Comes for the Archbishop by Willa Cather. It was written in the 1920s and, um, uh, it's just a great story. Uh, uh, so I love that book a lot. Uh, and, but the greatest book I've ever read, the greatest fiction I've ever read was definitely Remembrance of Things Past by Marcel Proust. He was a French author. It was written in French. I read a translation of it. Uh, it was published in, finally in 1921. It's 3,200 pages long. It's, wow. It's really hard to read. Uh, but it's the finest artwork I've ever encountered in my life. Um, and, uh, but to choose one, I mean, I could just, you know, um, you're talking about fiction? That's fiction? Just maybe not even one, like maybe just a few, like your top three or four books. Well, um, uh, my gosh, <clears throat> I, I, I mean, there's just so many, I, I mean, to, choose, to, to try to, to separate out two or three books, uh, you know, the Red Badge of Courage by Stephen Crane uh, is, a remarkable book, but then so many others are. Um, um, I'm, you're, I'm stumped. I'm stumped. I mean, I could, I could give you a long list, but I mean, to say, to choose one over the other, I mean, there's so much outstanding fiction, but I think it's very important to read fiction, to read fine literature, and never to read junk. Yes, you know? sir. You know, because junk is just—it's it, not fair to your mind, you know. And um, so, if I had known in advance, it, I'd have to think about it to tell you the books that I would recommend over one over another. Um, you know, the speeches of Abraham Lincoln uh, is is one I would read. Uh, you know, I told you I take care of the Lincoln Memorial, and I always go in the Lincoln Memorial 
and look at the speeches of Lincoln that are etched on the wall there of the Lincoln Memorial. And it's interesting to note that they, they put the entire speech on there and which, and the significance of that is that his great speeches were short. You know, Shakespeare said, brevity is the soul of wit, you know, and, uh, so I'm not answering your question very well uh, because I can't pull one out and say this one stands out. But I always recommend Death Comes to the Archbishop for somebody who wants to read fine fiction and a great story. Uh, so that sounds that, like a really good book, just by the title. <laughs> yeah, it is. It is. It is. Oh, it's. It is. It's a masterpiece. It's a real masterpiece. Um, so, you know, I'm always influenced by the books I've just read. I just read a book called The Raditsky March. It's kind of, it's a little bit obscure, but it's well known amongst the, the, the cognoscente of literature it's written by a guy in the, Austria in the 1920s. Uh, and, uh, whew, boy, it's very well done. Yes, sir. All right, so our final question, which I'm gonna be trying to ask every person I interview this question. So uh -huh. is, um, again, our podcast is geared more towards teenagers and people who are younger. So what advice would you have for this particular age group? Well, first of all, I mean, just because of it's, you know, it's the year 2020, I mean, there's so many opportunities to do marijuana and other stimulants, alcohol and things like that. And the problem with those things is, is that once you do one, then and you have fun doing it, then that becomes what you associate with having fun. And, uh, and that takes you away from, from what's the most fun of all which is not using anything. I mean, I don't do anything. Never have had, never in my, my whole life I've had alcohol. I didn't, I haven't had it because my mother was an alcoholic and I had an aversion to it. But my first piece of advice is stay away from that stuff. I'm telling you, it is, it, it, it denies you the, your, your true self. And your true self is, is so exquisitely wonderful. So don't let anything separate you from that. And, uh, and stay away from trash. I mean, and I include in that trashy television. There's so much junk on TV that's about people doing foolish, stupid, dangerous, bad things, you know. And uh, stay away from it. I'm telling you, it will, it will take you away from fun to do that. And, um, you know, and take care of your siblings. Take care of your parents. Take care of your friends. You know, try not to lie because it, again, it separates you from your true self. I mean, your true self is, it's, it's, it's God's greatest gift to you. You know, don't let yourself get separated from who you are. Uh, I mean, that, I mean, I would say, I would leave it at that. That's my advice. Yes, sir. That's, that was pretty great. And I, and I'm never going to do drugs. I know that for certain. <laughs> yeah. Or any of that stuff. Oh, yeah. And, I mean, you know, it, I mean, it takes you away. I'm telling you, it takes you away from who you are. And uh, yes, so, 
that's that's that that would be my advice. Okay. Be humble. Be it ever so humble. Yes, sir. All well, right. Thank you for um, joining us on my podcast. So you are the first interview that I have ever done, really. All right. You're a great interviewer. Thank you. <laughs> yeah. Well, uh, you got to email me and let me know so I can keep up with the future ones. Okay. Yes, sir. So I, so I can get on, so I can pick it up online. Okay. Cause I've never watched a podcast, not one. Yes, sir. All right, Maddie, that was an awesome interview. That, he, that was. He is so interesting. Like what, what struck you the most when you were just listening to that? Because I thought that was awesome. It was. It was very fascinating. I'd have to say the thing that struck me the most was probably all of his experience and how well-rounded it all was. Like he got to travel all over the world for his business. And then he got to work at Wall Street and he got to work at the Lincoln Memorial and he had to make it a memoir and he worked for the military and got to talk to the school general. Like all of that cool, cool experience that totally. shaped, him, shaped him into who he is today. So I'd have to say it was just so fascinating. He's also yes. just a quality man. <laughs> it was yeah. really, really good. That that was really cool, and the fact that all those all the vines that he cut down were all poison ivy. Imagine like if you would got if you would have gotten that on himself. Imagine how terrible oh, that would have been. That would have been awful. That would have been awful. <laughs> so that would have been terrible. And then, and then he dealed with an embezzlement later in the interview. He talked about that. That would have been so frustrating, and so that would have made would've. me so mad. Twelve years of his life into that business. And it all goes under because of one guy, like, totally breaking all the rules. That would, that'd be really hard to take. But I like how he talked about it with sort of this forgiveness and this just level head, this how level headed he was about it. I would be so angry. Oh, yeah. But I think that's, I think that, that's really cool that he, he's sort of put it in the past and he's forgiven the guy. And I think that's really cool. Yeah, and that, well, it was really sweet how he said that one of his greatest achievements was his wife. That was really sweet. That she's, was. Yeah, and the fact so, that she's, she's smart. She's a, she is a cancer doctor. That's incredible. That's very noble work. Both of them have very noble causes and works, but I yep. think it's really cool to hear his priorities throughout that. Like, obviously, Jesus was his top one, and then his wife, like, I, I think it's really cool that he sets his priorities, like, level yes. so well. And he's met so many cool people. He's met, well, that general, um, oh general my goodness. Abrams. That, yeah, that that's so cool. Awesome. And that I'm, was so cool. I'm, like, a World War II geek, so I know a lot about World War II. And Patton is a super interesting guy. And the fact that he met someone who even knew Patton is amazing. That's incredible. You get to have, like, a one-on-one -on -one conversation with him. Yeah, that's, like, that's awesome. That's Such cool. an honor. It really is. Like, and he, well, didn't he have like 150,000 troops under him? Oh like, yeah, that was so cool. That is incredible. I would that, never have been able to keep up with all of them. <laughs> Me neither. I don't think I could keep up with two. <laughs> yeah, so is that, that, 
Oh, it Elvis. Elvis. Yes. Thank that you. That was really much. cool. That was a terrible yeah. Elvis impression. <laughs> it's fine, but I think that's really cool that you got to he got to meet like the Elvis Presley. Yeah. And how he, that was like right down in downtown Little Rock. That's that's really cool. I like the way he described him just so yes, well. Sweaty. Thank sweaty you. Much. And his Mississippi accent. That's, yeah. that's awesome. So there was, um, yeah, it, then he was a great dancer, is what he said. That that's really surprising. funny. That is. Yeah. I want to see him dance. I that really want to see him dance. I think that's really cool. I like I like I said before, I love his diverse interests. Like, he's yes. been in the military. He does business. He loves dancing. He likes gardening. It's Wall like, Street. We haven't yes. even talked about that. Yes, that's that's amazing. Like, it blows me away. You know, he didn't mention this, but I believe he also speaks German. I don't know that wow. for certain, but I think he might speak German. German is hard. Yes. That is incredible. Yeah. Oh, and yeah, his advice. That was that, that was, was great advice. So was, yeah, he was. is right. There are a lot more outlets for jokes. Not that I know, but I've heard that from people. Yeah. I think it's cool yeah. how the tragedy of his mother being an alcoholic has shaped him and changed, like made him into the great man he is today and i love that he's trying to pass that on that advice yes no drugs try to stay away from the stuff on tv now and he's passing that on to the lower generation yes especially with the internet definitely that just opens up so so much more exposure into stuff that mm -hmm. we should not be getting into yeah but. so yeah that's that was really good um Oh, yeah. He also mentioned a few books, which I've assigned. Yeah. Oh, by the way, yeah. someday one of these people is going to make me cry when they give me their advice. <laughs> that. True. It was really touching advice this time. Mr. But. Porter. Yeah. That, so I'm going to keep track of that. Let's see. Yeah. And his books. I am about to, tomorrow for, for this interview, I'm about to read. Death at the Archbishop. Yep. By so. the way, listeners, I don't know if we're going to be able to do this, but we're going to try to get up a website and where Maddie or I read one of these books that um, one of our interviewees, whatever you call them, um, recommends. And then we write, you know, either something we like, basically a book report, but that's, I don't know. We'll have to figure it out. But sort of a recommendation. On the yes book and our thoughts on that about the book and then we can link the book um and yeah i think that'd be cool really cool i'm excited he, the way he described it sound made it sound like a oh, very yeah. quality book death for excited. the archbishop death's coming for the archbishop or whatever the name was that yeah like death the that yeah that's intriguing that's a good title <laughs> yep well this we've just ended our very first episode yes <laughs> all right we don't know who we're going to interview next but if anyone has any recommendations we'd be really happy to check them out so yeah thank you for listening and we hope you come back for more subscribe and review our podcast it'll really help us so thanks everyone and thanks. yeah Bye. Have a great day. Have a great day. Bye.